Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo Decoded Report, Personalized Cannabinoid and Terpene Suggestion, Endo Aligned Product Matching in Your State, Suggested Dosage Guidelines, and Optimum Methods of Administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeca Soft Gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeca Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. Hi, my name's Tom. Find me by Googling Cannabis Lawyer and then clicking on my website, CannabisIndustryLawyer.com. It's so special that I'm going to just go ahead and put uh, that that up there just for a little bit of branding. Anyway, uh, one of the things that I do is I write for a lot of things. Uh, and so this just came out recently. And uh, this is a the Cannabis Law and Regulation Reporter. It's this new thing that I write for. And so my my Article just came out and it's in web format. So please do, if you would like to see any of the cannabis law and regulation reporters, you can find me at various things. So I'm going to have this new segment where basically I read this and then uh, <clears throat> you guys can enjoy my, my points as to the three pillars of cannabis regulation. They are uh, trustworthiness, capital, and now at least in Illinois and coming maybe soon to a state or municipal municipality near you, social equity. So the first thing that we're going to do though is we have to thank our sponsors because in that and what's really important, uh, it's not that, but if you want to see me, please do come out to the Illinois Cannabis Summit. I will be at the Illinois Cannabis Summit on October the 16th. If that's the Wednesday, we're going to do the cannabis legalization news live from the, uh, the summit in Schaumburg Convention Center. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, there was just one this past Thursday. They have a lot of them. And in fact, after that, if you don't come out and see me at the Cannabis Summit, come out and see me at the Bazinga. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Bazinga, but this one also has a coupon code and you can get a deal on that by getting 30% off. If you enter the vanity for my last name, Howard 30 for 30% off. That is Bazinga Cannabis Conference, uh, October 22nd, 23rd in Chicago. And that brings us to the actual meat and potatoes of tonight. And so now I'm going to present to you the three pillars of cannabis legalization. My first article on my new monthly series on this particular venue. So what are cannabis legalization, social equity, the third pillar of legalization, or is it political expedience? Traditionally, cannabis license depended primarily on the applicant's ability to demonstrate capital and trustworthiness by having capital. 
the applicant demonstrated business acumen with financial wherewith and the financial wherewithal to withstand the high cost of opening the cannabis venture without the use of traditional financing and other industries that other industries enjoy. The economic and political realities of medical cannabis producers in Illinois meted out burn rates that aided the capital of the select few awarded licenses to peddle the flower to a very restricted list of cannabis patients before being granted this temporary monopoly by the Illinois Cannabis Regulation and Tax Act. You may not be aware, but in Illinois, cash outflows for the license holders soared in 2015 after its effective date of the medical law when a new Republican administration called the Rauner administration came in and uh, made it patients wait months to get their license. It made uh, producers wait months, if not years, to open their doors. And next year in 2020, those same cannabis businesses that are still operating in the state will occupy the entire adult use market for at least a year before new entrants can compete with them. Now, each and every one of those newcomers needs social equity to get their license, including the existing players that want to acquire the maximum number of new licenses. Now, that is a total of 10 dispensary licenses that may be held by any one entity. So that also includes the medical dispensary licenses, which may be doubling here soon. So those two would count toward their 10. Now, of course, newcomers also need the second pillar of industry, the trustworthiness, the, trust, the trustworthiness element. You have to ensure that absolutely no diversion of supply or cash, uh, at least until it's going to be cash, until the Safe Banking Act passes. Stay tuned for that on next week's episodes of Cannabis Legalization News. There's probably going to be movement in the Congress for that. Now, that, that trustworthiness aspect of your cannabis license, that is your security and your record-keeping requirements. In Illinois, just like in all the other states, they have very, very restrictive requirements, and they need that these companies have their, their SOPs, their standard operating policies and procedures. They also have to have lots of company policies on security, operations, community outreach, and diversity in order to rack up as many points as they can in their quest to get the highest scoring application in this very competitive field. Now, this Petition includes not just the capital requirements that demonstrates your, your financial wherewithal and also your business acumen and the trustworthiness requirements, which means that you could be trusted to not slip any grams or dollars out the back of your establishment, but also the social equity applicant. Now, the social equity applicant, a full 20% of your score is going to come from an element that is not yet found in anywhere else in uh, the cannabis space. That is social equity. Now, the social equity, at least when it comes to Illinois, is designed to uh, promote help to the people that have been most hurt by the cannabis laws, those arrested and those arrested or those with that live in a disproportionately impacted area. Now, the disproportionately impacted area element is a mystery, at least for right now in cannabis for Illinois, because the map for that does not yet exist. Uh, the map will be released, but not until after the application is released. So Illinois is really going to be preferencing when it comes to social equity for the first round of applications, because we don't know where the second part, prong of it is, the arrest victims of the social equity. So a social equity applicant in Illinois, of course, is an applicant that has 
either been arrested for cannabis offense, a uh, minor cannabis offense, that's a possession of up to a pound and intent to distribute of up to an ounce, uh, or a member of their family, and that's generational one direction each way. So your parents or your children uh, would also qualify as a social equity applicant, or you can live in one of these disproportionately impacted areas. We don't know what those are, so we have to move on. Or third, you could have a 10 full-time employee company, which has uh, at least 51% of its employees as either a social equity applicant because they've been arrested or because of where they, uh, they, they live in a disproportionately impacted area. So that really means that there is going to be a lot of these social equity applicants. Now, they've, they've defined it in the, uh, in the statute so that you need to have 51% of ownership and control in the social equity applicant, especially when you don't have the 10 full-time employees. The 10 full-time employees gets a little bit tricky in the sense of these are startups. Do startups have 10 full-time employees? How do you make sure that you have those 10 full-time employees? Illinois will also not be releasing rules that uh, provide guidance as to that uh, if issue on it. So a lot of these ownership and control things, okay, that's defined as the, the actual day-to-day -day operations of the majority of the capital and profits in the business. So these types of disproportionately impacted areas not being around means that everybody who wants to get the social equity points in Illinois is going to have to give up that to somebody who has been arrested. Uh, which is very, very restrictive. And not only that, in the social equity, as they've done in Illinois, is they have uh, mutual exclusivity, it seems. But we also don't know that because we don't have rules. From right now, the way you read it, you can either have 51% ownership and control in people that live in disproportionately impacted areas, 51% ownership control of people that have been arrested for cannabis, or 10 full-time employees, which are either one or two. Uh, and so because of that, you know, you don't necessarily know how much control you're going to have to cede to these people that you are uh, uh, partnering with. Now, the number of licenses, though, in the state of Illinois uh, kind of demonstrates the lucrative nature of the state. And it may actually get to rival the Pasadena, California numbers of the 200 to 6 ratio between applications and licenses. Because in Illinois, you also do not need to disclose where your actual dispensary will be to get the conditional license. You'll have six months thereafter. So provided that you have the social equity talent and provided that you have the other two elements of your uh, of the other two pillars of legal licensed cannabis, then you have a higher likelihood of beating those, you know, six out of 200 odds and we'll ha have them working for you in your favor. Now, of course, uh, this makes for very interesting bedfellows because a lot of the people that have the social equity talent or that, and that, that means the people that live in the disproportionately impacted areas or that have been arrested. These are the most severely injured people by the past 82 years of federal cannabis prohibition. And because of that, they may not have enough capital to start a craft grow or to start a dispensary. Some may want to access funds that the state is providing. Uh, however, if you are 
requesting to access these funds and banking on that in your application, you're essentially telling the state that you're at inadequately capitalized and it's more risky to allow you to have the license if you can't afford to open your doors. Now, those those funds will eventually be, be made available, but I do not believe they will be made available for the first round. And not only that, they may be something that you might be able to access on the back end because in the statute, you say that you have to let them know if you are going to try to uh, access those types of loans. So the thing about it and the conclusions and the implications of this for this new third pillar of uh, licensed cannabis is that we don't know how the state is gonna score its application. Now, will it give the full 20% of the points on social equity for companies with a person who's just lucky enough to now be uh, become a millionaire because they got arrested for cannabis or their kids did or their parents did or because they were living in a bad part of town, which is how you can read the disproportionately impacted areas uh, statute. But yet we do not have the map so that we don't know where by addresses somebody is or is not a social equity applicant because they are in a disproportionately impacted area. Is it going to select these lucky few ones or is it going to try to provide the maximum amount of points for companies that put together a strategic plan and a very creative uh, business model that takes into account exit strategies that create jobs and ownership in the industry to these new licensees to maximize the benefit to the largest amount of people injured by the previous law? Now, we don't know and we aren't going to find out until May of 2020 and long before that. We will have a lot of great guests on Cannabis Legalization News coming to you Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time. I hope you tune in and I'll see you real soon.